0: We uh, we had a good time last night, for those that uh, made it out. But uh, something that we forgot to make mention of last night is that what happens at Volunteer Appreciation stays at Volunteer Appreciation. And if you didn't come, tough luck, because I warned you, you didn't want to miss it. So I did what I could. Um, hey, before we uh, before we get into uh, we get into our stuff today. I mean, uh, if you're if you are going, well, first of all, to kind of tell everybody what's going on. So this week, we've got uh, kids camps. Uh, a kids camp that's going on. Uh, that's our uh, kid kids uh, going to um, Camelsville University. It's a university now, right? That's where my dad went, which is kind of weird, but it was college back then. It's a university now. So it's at Campbellsville, in Campbellsville, Kentucky, uh, Campbellsville University. uh, Centra Kid Camp is this week, uh, and and those kids leave tomorrow. Uh, And then uh, also uh, this week uh, is uh, our student camp with our teenagers, uh, which is super summer, which is at Austin P. Uh, and there's uh, Dave will be with our kids at kids camp, and then Penny and uh, several others of us will be at Super Summer because we almost run Super Summer now. I think uh, we've got uh, we kind of we kind of have a I don't know it's like a it's been a small takeover over time. Penny's over a school, and now Locks is over a school, and I'm over a school. And if you don't know anything about Super Summer, that means nothing to you, but I'm just telling you that's kind of a big deal that that many of People from one church are helping lead these things, uh, but anyway, it's just an awesome. Going to be an awesome week uh, for both groups. And uh, uh, just out of curiosity, uh, of adults, kids, anybody that's in the room, who 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 in here is going to camp this week? Just raise your hand. Anybody? Okay. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, we've got some adults who have given up their week. Uh, to go do camps uh, this week, and and I just felt like this was probably the best time in the service for me to get to uh, try to do this today. But I wanted to to pray. I wanted to pray for uh, the adults that are going to be there, for our kids, for our students that are going to be at camp this week. Uh, Even right now, even as we're here doing this, there are people preparing for camp. Uh, I can speak for Super Summer. I'm sure it's the same way uh, at Centric Kid as well. But right now at Austin P, there's a group of adults. We the the people who lead camp are supposed to be up there for the whole weekend before the kids get there. We kind of just like don't do that, and they just kind of have to be okay with it, since there's so many of us uh, that you know have to be here. We still need to have church here, and so. Um, but right now, there's a whole bunch of them there uh, that are preparing for their weekend, preparing for the week. I'm sorry, uh, and uh, and then we'll join them today. We'll be joining them this afternoon. But I just thought it would be great if we could pray for all the adults that we have going, for all the adults that are already there, uh, for the adults preparing for, uh, for Centric Kid, uh, for the kids that are going to Centric Kid, and the students that are going to Super Summer. Uh, I just felt like it would be a good opportunity for us to kind of pray and just ask God to bless the week that they're going to have. Uh, I know that he is, and, and, it's, and let me say, it's not because you know, camp, the. you know, uh, suddenly these colleges turn into holy ground or something, uh, which in a way, they, I guess they kind of do, but it's, it's not about that. It's about that we are going to spend that time seeking and focused on Jesus. And when you, when you go spend time with the Lord, I don't care if it's at a school, if it's at your house, if it's here on a Sunday morning, when you go and you spend time with the Lord, you don't come away the same. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, he just, if I really seek him and I really allow him to speak to my heart, he always changes me in some way, shape, or form. So, um, anyway, uh, let, let's pray. Let's pray for, for, for that for this week, okay? God, we come to you and we ask, um, Lord, I ask that you would be uh, with our kids that are going to Centra Kid this week. God, I, I pray that, Lord, that they would hear the gospel. Lord, even if it's just because it's somebody new that they're hearing it from, God, I pray, Lord, that they would have an understanding of what it means of what you've done through your son, Jesus. Lord God, thank you for the opportunity that that they can go. God, thank you for David. Thank you for the the folks that are going to be going with him. Lord, I pray for him. I pray for them, Lord, that you would use them in the lives of of these children. Lord, that you would lead them closer to you. God, do a great work, Lord, through everything going on there this week. God, be with with our students this week that are going to Super Summer. God, I pray that you would be with them in their hearts, Lord, that you would speak into their hearts, Lord, that they could understand better the gospel maybe more than ever, Lord, that you might lead them to glimpses of what you might call them to in their lives. Lord, I, I pray for Penny, I pray for the leaders that we have going. God, I pray for the leaders that are there right now preparing for this week. God, I pray that you would use them, Lord, to glorify you, to make you known. God, change lives in both of these places this week. Lord, because of who you are, not where we go, but Lord, who you are. Lord, do a great thing in their lives. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we get to be a part of such great things. Lord, use this week for your glory. And we ask this in your name. Amen. All right. If, uh, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we've got ushers with Bibles. They will bring you one. They will gladly bring you one. Get one from them. We're going to the book of Amos today. Amos. And uh, Amos is another one of those that uh, you don't hear a lot of people naming their kids Amos these days. You know, it's uh, you know I don't know if it's because uh, you know, afraid you're know afraid your kid's going to get made fun of and get called famous Amos all the time or something. I don't know. But uh, that's a good one. It's not quite Gomer, you know. But uh, still 50 bucks for Gomer, especially if it's a girl. Because, you know, we're trying to be biblical around here. So, you know, next person to find out they're pregnant with a girl... Just saying. You need to to think seriously about it. The Lord might be leading you to it. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. Uh, So let me kind of give you a little background on what's going on with Amos. Um, this This is what we see as one of the prophets in Scripture and and uh, on, honestly, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because Amos is very forthright that he doesn't believe he's a prophet. He says, I'm not a prophet. He just says, he says basically, and I think it's in chapter seven, he's like, look, I'm not a prophet. I'm just somebody who God has called to take his message to the people of God up in the northern kingdom, okay? So God's people will spread around here at this moment. And um, Amos is just a guy who is a shepherd you know shepherds we know you know a lot of times pretty probably pretty rough you know kind of dudes working kind of dudes very much like a lot of guys that uh, we may know from uh, different jobs in this day and age so we can we can identify with Amos he's a he's a guys guy you know kind of thing he's herding sheep and you know uh, all that good stuff so he's a shepherd he's a working man and God has called him to take this special message to his people and um So he's doing this. He's being faithful and all this, but there's there's some stuff going on with God's people at this moment in time. And I think we will be able to identify it. It might be a little painful, I'm just warning you. It might be a little painful what we might identify with them about, but they've got some issues much like us. And uh, and there's some things that they do, that they're doing, that uh, I think very much we can identify with. Well, Amos was called to, you know, to 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 be this messenger of, you know, of of God's word so to speak and and that kind of thing. And so he's doing that, but in the midst of this, we have through this book we see God's people being very concerned about something. And it's something that sometimes we are very concerned about. And that is other people's sin. <laughs> you ever find yourself like really worried and concerned about other people's sin. Now, I'm not talking about yours right now. I'm just talking about, you know, there's, you know, I mean, we, we, get, we get in these modes sometimes where we, we're like, I don't know about you, but like, we get so bent out of shape about something that somebody else is doing that we get to a point where we are kind of not just angry with them, but we're a little angry with God too. And we're kind of like, God, how about you finally do something about that? How about, how about you just, you know, swing a little judgment their way and, you know, just kind of knock them off their feet real good and help them to see, you know, they don't need to be doing that, you know? Well, that's exactly what God's people were doing. They, they basically had kind of gotten to a point where they were very comfortable in their lives. They were very comfortable, uh, literally, like if you read through all of Amos, because I'm kind of giving you a synopsis here a little bit, but if you read through all of the book of Amos, what you'll find is you'll find a group of people Who basically had gotten to the point where, even through some affluency-type things, like because they had gotten all the money that they wanted in life or whatever it was, uh, you know, that they they were just kind of ignoring things around them. Sometimes we get too comfortable, and when we get too comfortable, we ignore things that are going on around us. That's exactly what God's people were doing. I mean, to the point that they were seen injustice around them and doing nothing about it. And we've, we've all at some point in our life been guilty of this. So, uh, you know, this isn't, you know, we're not, you know, before, before you start thinking about somebody else, you might want to like rein that in a little bit, okay? Uh, because, because that's the problem that God's people had. They were so concerned with their enemies being judged and getting judgment That they were even telling God, praying to God, God, judge our enemies, take care of them, you know, do with them, you know, kind of a thing. And so we have this kind of a climactic moment where there's a little kind of come to Jesus here with the whole, you know, hey, you should, God, you should take care of them. And He does, but He also takes care of His people too. And they're not too happy about it. They've been talking. In fact, they've been talking about the day of the Lord is going to come. In fact, this, we think this might be the earliest instance of the use of that phrase, that the day of the Lord would come. And, and so this whole day of the Lord thing, to even kind of give you a little background of that, they thought that when the day of the Lord came, that that meant everybody's gonna get land and blessings. They're thinking, they're thinking okay, about time we finally get some promised land, okay? And we get some blessings. And so, you know, in their head, when the day of the Lord was going to come, it was going to come with judgment for our enemies and move that bus so we can get our new house and all of the possessions that we've been wanting for us, you know, for his people. And that's not exactly the way it went down. And here's what we see in Amos chapter 5. Amos chapter 5 and verse 18, here's what it says. It says, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light. As if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him or went into the house and leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. This is, not the, this is not the description of like the day of the Lord has come, like that we're all thinking like, yeah, day of the Lord, woo, Jesus is coming back. We're all going to have a party, and it's going to be great. This is the, their little day of the Lord thing here. Yeah, it's not going as planned. we got darkness. we got people getting bit by snakes. I don't like snakes, okay? I like dead snakes. Here we go. Verse, verse 20, and it goes on. It says, is not the day of the Lord darkness? and not light and gloom with no brightness in it? They're confused, okay? They're confused. This is their response. They're confused. They're trying to figure out, like, whoa, wait wait a minute. What what happened to my new house? And all that, you know, what happened to the farm that we were gonna get? What happened to all the blessings? What happened to all the stuff that we were gonna get? Where'd that go? The day of the Lord came, and all of a sudden, we got some judgment. Well, we wanted, we've been wanting that for our enemies, but we didn't want it for us. That's that funny how that works? They had gotten to a place in their life where they so badly wanted to see their enemies pay the price for their wrongs, they couldn't see their own stuff in their own life verse 22 goes on. This is God's response here, okay? This is God's response to their response about the day of the Lord. And it says this in verse 22, it says, even though you offer me your, and I want you to pay attention there, the use of your is, is in here quite a bit, and I think it's on purpose. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. This is God speaking, okay? He's, he's Saying back to them, hey, you know, thanks for, the, thanks for the offerings, I don't want them. And it goes on and says, and the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. The noise. This isn't like, you know, I kind of like that song, but I don't want to listen to it. No, he he's calling their songs noise. It's like He's like... Uh, take away the noise of your songs, to the melody of your harps, I will not listen. He goes on and says, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. His judgment is coming down. His judgment is coming down and he's telling them, your worship is detestable to me. We see this also in Isaiah. I think it's Isaiah 1. Uh, we see very similar kind of thing happening where God's, God's looking at his people and he's kind of having a moment and he's like, hey, you guys, you guys are showing up at church, you're worshiping, you're singing your songs, you, you know, you're doing your thing, you're killing your animals for sacrifices and all that stuff. Hey, I ain't buying it. God's saying, I ain't buying it. And I, you know, I don't want it. I don't even want to look at it. I don't want to hear your songs. I'm not even paying attention to it. Why? I mean, it sounds like, God. Why, why would God be like that? Something that I learned a long time ago that I feel like I have to relearn constantly over and over and over again. And some of it's probably because we grow up in the kind of this legalistic, like, even though we may hear that Jesus is the way, a lot of times we hear also to go with it, that like, well, you've got to do this, 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 and this, or you're, you know, you know God's not going to love you enough, or whatever it is, you know, kind of thing. But one of those things that I feel like I've had to learn over and over and over is this, and that's that God wants our hearts. God wants our hearts. You see... For so many of us, we fall into being doers, and it's a good thing to do, it's a good, hey, it's a good thing to do, it's a good thing, we, last night we celebrated here uh, all of the people that, that, that serve so faithfully as a part of the body of, of 24 Church, uh, those that were able to come, uh, and if you weren't able to be here and you serve, thank you for what you do, uh, you're just, just awesome to get to see what God is doing, and doing right now, if you haven't noticed, God's doing some cool stuff. Um, But this idea that God wants our hearts, for so many of us, we know it, but we replace it sometimes with trying to do things for God and are doing things for God where they came maybe out of the right heart to begin with. Somewhere along the way, it gets sidetracked and derailed into this like, you know, well, now I'm doing it because it's a job, or now I'm doing it because I'm just supposed to do it, or now I'm doing it because you know I want people to think this about me, or now I do it, you know whatever. It is. And, and and listen, it's not just I'm not talking about just serving on Sunday mornings. I'm talking about with our life that we approach things in our life. Well, I, I'm going to do that because that's the right thing to do. But there's something amazing that happens when we allow God to just take all of our hearts. And we humble it, it, it requires humbling ourselves because the pride within us does not want to do this. The pride within us wants to fight against that and go, no, 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 I got this. I got this. I don't need to, I don't need to spend any time with God today to figure out that he wants me to do this over here. But, you know, in the, in the moment of when we are doing something for God... If we're not being led by him, how we do it is usually very different. How we do it is usually very different. And so it's important for us to be led by the Holy Spirit, to be led by God, to be led by Jesus in how we do those things. But If we we don't spend time with God, then generally speaking, it's very hard for us to do that. God's people at this moment in time were so bent out of shape about what their enemies were doing and wanting God to deal with them that they couldn't see what was right in front of them, which was their own sin. If you read, and again, I'm giving you a synopsis of Amos, you can go read all of Amos for yourself, but the people of God in Amos, one of the things that we see them not doing is not standing up And Doing the right thing in certain situations, and I mentioned the affluency thing like basically they'd made comfortable lives for themselves And then they would see things they would see wrongs being done Let's let's call it social justice because that's kind of what it is or that is what it is We'd see like this social justice issues coming up and then these people who apparently loved God So much that they'll that they'll sacrifice an animal for him weren't willing to help their neighbors and, and, and we know that that's wrong, right? I mean, we know, we, know, we know social justice stuff matters because of who Jesus is and who we're called to be. Now, we're, you'll never see us be the church that's like we're you know, trying to lead the charge to be all about social justice. No, we want to be all about Jesus, and because we're all about Jesus, then social justice matters to us. Our hearts should be different even than probably a lot of people that like their life is about social justice. I'm not trying to rail on anybody that's trying to do something good in the world or whatever. I'm just saying. It should be driven and fueled by who Jesus is in our lives. So here's a little ditty for you. Martin Luther King uh, 1963, uh, civil rights movement, uh, protesting, is arrested. He's put in a jail in Birmingham, Alabama, and apparently mistreated a little bit even in the midst of all that. And you know, they're they're just doing their thing. I mean, he's you know he's wanting equality. You know, I mean we all want equality, and he wants equality. And 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 you know he's I mean, MLK. I mean he he loved Jesus, okay. If you didn't know, and uh, and he so while he was in the jail there, uh, eight clergymen, eight let's call them pastors. Some of them may have been priests or whatever they were. I don't know, bishops or something. I don't know. Um, call call Ben the bishop sometime if you want to. Uh, but yeah, you know. So you got you got you got eight clergymen. They. They wrote a letter together. They wrote an open letter. You think open letters are like new with Facebook or something. You know, they're not. You know, open letters have been going on for a long time. Uh, it was in the newspaper. I know some of you don't know what that is, but there's a, there was a thing. They used to print them out. It had words and pictures and stuff. And so, uh, but the, they, they, so eight, eight pastors, clergymen, whatever you want to call them, they wrote an open letter and it came out in the newspaper. While MLK was in the jail in Birmingham. So he gets, a, he gets, somebody gives him this newspaper and he reads this article. And this article basically is kind of attacking what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is doing. And, and, and yet the article is called A Call for Unity. <laughs> And what it is, is basically it's like, it's just a bunch of white dudes, a bunch of people that are basically like, well, they got their lives figured out, and they don't want to be bothered with anything having to change, you know, they just kind of like things the way they are, so to speak, you know, so let's let's just leave things alone, and you, you know, the timing's bad, and all this, and, you know, and, and of course, MLK, he's over here, and he's like, what are you talking about, the timing's bad, my people are, you know being mistreated and we don't have equal rights and all this kind of stuff and God was using him obviously you know to help lead this movement so he reads this article Martin Luther King reads this article and on the paper on the newspaper that he had read this article with he started writing a response letter another open letter okay he starts writing a response letter on the newspaper itself, and he, and he writes until there's no more room on the paper, and then he gets a, he gets a couple more scratch pieces of paper. He keeps writing uh, the letter, and then finally, at some point, his lawyers are allowed to like, let him have a, uh, uh, a notebook, where they leave him alone a notebook so he can keep writing. We have this today as a piece of history known as the letter from Birmingham jail. Part of history. In the letter, and I, and I love this about this. In the letter, MLK refers to the gospel, and and, and it's, it's and he drives it pretty hard. If you want to ever read through it, it's out there, you can go check it out. But then also in the midst of this letter, he refers to these men being like the people of God in the book of Amos. In the book of Amos. And he himself quotes, he talks about it, but then he quotes verse 24. Let's read verse 24 again, and I think you'll see how it fits. He says, but let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And his idea here is that, you know, hey, we've all done wrong, how about we all just be willing to just set back and let justice do its thing? Let God do his thing. Folks, we can't be so concerned with what's going wrong in everybody else's life. Let me ask you a question. Do you have bitterness towards somebody else? you have anger towards somebody else? Are you struggling with other people right now in life because you feel like they have wronged you or they have done something that has wronged somebody else, whatever, made you mad, to the point that it is, I'm not saying, we're not giving them a license that it's okay. I'm just asking you, what's going on in your heart? Are you bitter? Are you angry with somebody right now? I think if most of us were honest, we probably have somebody in our life that that this is true for. And what happens in this passage that we're reading, the reason of all the darkness and the snake-biting and the crazy is is all because the people of God are all of a sudden, they're like, oh, what's going on? I thought, you know, the justice was going to come and, you know, you were going to take care of them and then we were going to get, you know, like a party or something. And it's because... God's judgment is good for everybody. And the day of the Lord hadn't quite come yet. The day of the Lord would come. And the day of the Lord did come and is still coming for us. And his name is Jesus. And he came as a humble servant a humble servant you see this is the reason why god doesn't want bitterness in our hearts this is the reason why god wants to attack this at the forefront of what it is which is sin when we are bitter angry whatever in our hearts toward another fellow human being much less another believer a brother or sister in christ let I me mean, tell you what god's all over that all over his scriptures all over it and if you've and if you've been a christian for a day or a 20,000 years, you probably know that. And it's because he knows that that sin is killing us from the inside out. Satan loves it. Satan loves it. He's like, oh, yeah, come on, be bitter. Oh, did you see what they posted on social media? Hate them even more. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Woo! He loves it. He's having a party. He's like, oh, yeah, love it when they're mad at each other like this. Oh, yeah, and the best kind, oh, yeah, when nobody knows it but you. Just me and you, you know, we just, yeah, oh, yeah, get more mad at them. Why does he love it? He loves it because our sin separates us from God. And when we are buying what he's selling, we're not listening to what the Lord Is trying to give us, which is his grace and his mercy. And he's saying, I have forgiven you. You also forgive them. Go on with your life. You can't fix it. I can't fix it. We can't fix what's going on in other people's lives. If God needs to deal with them, guess what? He'll deal with them. Well, Chris, what about about how, you know, it's supposed to go to a brother. Yeah, go to a brother. Go to a brother. I, I'm going to encourage you, go to a brother, go to a sister, whatever. If you need to talk to them, yes, Scripture talks about that. You need to do that. you got something going on between you and somebody else. You need to you need, listen. For your sake, for the glory of God, you should do it. I'm telling you. But there's a way you do it. You don't go in guns a-blazing. Hey, hey, you know what? Hey, you got the, no, you got that sin in your life. You know you're going to hell for that, right? You know? But in that instance, we become those people who have signs that are standing out in the middle of the courtyard in front of Bridgestone Arena while we're trying to go see the Preds beat down the pins next year, okay? Um, And we're like, what are they doing? Why are they out here telling people they're going to hell? I mean, but that's in our heads. We're turning into those people if we're not careful. We've been called to not do this. To the point that Jesus gets real specific with it. Speaking of Jesus, let's see what he has to say about it. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. And he shares with us this little thing. About how to deal with judging others. By the way, when we're called to go to one another and do that, that's talking about believers, and I hope you understand that. Us going to people in the world and pointing out their sin isn't doing anybody any good. They don't know Jesus. They need to see us humble first that we might lead them to him so then they might be changed by the gospel, by what God has done, so that then they could see the wrong of their sin that they might be changed. Okay? So us just, you know, hey, let's just go, you know, willy-nilly, doesn't work, okay. All right, Matthew, Matthew 7, Matthew 7, verse 1, it says this, it says, this is Jesus, okay? It's Jesus, it's not me, it's not fudge, it's not penny, you know, it's Jesus, all right? Judge not, he says, that you be not judged. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce... You will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Whoa! I mean, did you just read that? I mean, like, like Jesus is saying this. Let me remind you. And he's dropping some knowledge about, like, if we're going to get into the judgment business, he's like, okay, you want to be in the judgment business? However you judge, then we're going to judge you like that, too. I'll read it again. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. That's strong. That's strong. Verse 3, it goes on. He says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye. When there is a log in your own eye, and then and Jesus uses the H word. Are you ready? Here we go. He says, You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. We can't help somebody else if we haven't humbled ourselves to our own sin first. Here's Here's the beauty, when we allow God to convict our hearts and deal with the sin that we have in our lives, then we become a people, we become a people who God could use to speak into the lives of those also with sin in their lives. Unfortunately for so many of us, we're kind of living life like this, it was kind of like, "Hey man, what's going on? Yeah, it's good to see you guys today. Hey, uh, hey man, uh, you know, I hadn't really wanted to say anything, but I mean, I've been noticing you've been you've been you've been getting into some stuff lately. I know you don't need to be in, you know, you know, you, you, you go into hell for that, right? That's not true, other, by the way." You know, but you know. I mean, you know. Hey, you know. Hey, hey, man. What's what's going on? Hey, I see. I see. You've got an issue in your life. Have you thought about seeing anybody about that? You even been thinking about seeing anybody about that? I mean, because you know. I mean, I got my junk together over here. I mean, this is us. This is us. This is our sin right smack dab in front of our face. And yet we're still acting like God's people in the book of Amos and going, hey God, will you please do something about them? Because it's really getting on my nerves. Every time they make a post, it gets on my nerves. You know? Only the Lord can take this from us. And we need him to do so. And and let me me explain something. It's not just for our own good. Because if we really care about these people that we're so concerned about that they've got something in their eye, if we really care about it, then we will humble ourselves to allow God to help us kick the log out of our eye because when we become humble people of God... Guess what? We then get the ability to speak into the lives of others that are struggling. And you know what? Generally speaking, what I've found out, we don't have to force ourselves to do it. They just see us being humble people of God. I mean, you just think about it right now. If I just ask you right now, who are humble people of God? You know right now that they don't come at you with their judgment. They, don't, they just love you. And you know it's not like some fake, put-on hypocrite, like I go to church, you know, and i got my offerings over here and want to make sure everybody sees me do this or that or whatever it is. No. Those people that we know are humble people of God, and maybe you've got, I've got a few of them in mind right now. I'd love to even say some of their names. They would kill me for doing that. Uh, you know, and that's, that just shows you how humble they are. And it's not some false humility, it's like the real deal, like we've seen God work through them and just they care for people and they put others before themselves and you see Jesus in them, those are the people in this life that people with issues go to and say, I need help. Pray for me. I need a friend. Or, they're oftentimes the people that even if somebody doesn't come and say those things to them God gives them opportunities to just say, hey, are you okay? How can I pray for you? That's a long way from, hey, you're going to hell for that. By the way, the only way that anybody's going to hell is if they haven't trusted in Jesus. That's it. There's no like, oh, well, you know, that sin over there, that's a really rough one. No, his blood is good for them all. All of them. And he defeated death on our behalf because we can't. And praise the Lord for that. We will live forever. And so to hear a statement like, God wants our hearts simple statement, such a simple statement, but if we're not careful, like we could run like 10 different ways with that, and one of those ways that I'm concerned that some of us might run with is like, oh, well, I'm just, I'm gonna start doing better. (laughs) I'm just gonna start doing better, you know? Well, I'm glad that your heart wants to go to that, but here's the truth. We need Jesus to do better. We need him to do better in our lives and that's allowing him to do so. That's that's spending time with him, that's being with him, that's praying with him because the bitterness, the anger is killing the people of God from fulfilling who God's called them to be. For his kingdom, for him to be made known. That's the the whole reason and why God would give us any of this It's not because God's up there going, hey, I want you to feel guilty today. I can't, wait you to, I can't wait for you to feel guilty. I hope to see you fall on your knees. Well, yeah, he would love to see us fall on our knees, but it's not because we feel guilty. It's because we recognize who he is, and he loves us, and we love him back. We adore him. God wants our hearts. And if he has them, others will be truly cared for. God wants our hearts, and if He has them, we will follow Him. God wants our hearts, and if He has them, He also has our worship. So then there's no faking it till you make it. It's not I'm showing up at church to like do the thing I'm supposed to do, or that thing during the week when something arises, and oh, I guess it's the, here's the Christian thing to do, I guess it's preacher talked about some social justice. I guess I'll do the right thing here today. What's it look like when our hearts have been changed because he has them and we do those things out of love and care because he's loved us first and he's cared for us first. And those people who have wronged us, maybe they really did something really bad. Let me tell you something. The most freeing thing that maybe for some of you here today will be this to hear this God wants you to give that up he doesn't want you carrying that around he's forgiven you just like he's forgiven me and he has called us to forgive others the burden of bitterness the only person that's a gift from is Satan himself so last year um, I had a friend who passed away. I talked about it. His name was Mike, and uh, he had a business in the hobby that I have a side business in as well. And uh, he, you know, he worked on these parts and did different things. And, and so when he passed, I, I jumped in to help his dad. His dad was not going to have a clue what to do with all that stuff, And because there were orders outstanding and all this stuff, Mike was killed in a, in a motorcycle accident. So it was a very sudden, unexpected thing. Literally overnight, you've got a bunch of really crazy people in a hobby that are very crazy about their stuff, um, and uh, he had a lot of their parts. So I jumped in to help, and I helped end up, you know, months on end, really till the end of last year, even into the beginning of this year. And that he died in May. That we were still dealing with orders from some of that stuff, long, long period of time. A lot of nights over there helping him, that kind of thing. And so, anyway, long story short. In the end of it all, uh, Mike's parents asked me if I would like to buy the business of what Mike was doing. And he had all this inventory and parts and had kind of made a name for himself. It's was really kind of a middleman deal. All you got to do is just take orders. and You've got to have a knowledge, working knowledge of the stuff and drop stuff off, pick stuff up, shipping back and forth, that kind of thing. And so we prayed about it, because I've had just kind of this <laughs> feeling for years that there has to be a day, one, one day down the road, where you know, I'm probably not going to have you know, warehouses full of junk, um, and, you know, and I, honestly, I look forward to that day, um, and, and this was you know, a way to you know, have a business that maybe could continue on and maybe be better than the business we had before and not have to have warehouses full of junk. So... Anyway, uh, so we, 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 said, we felt led to do this. We said yes, and we, we bought the business. And they basically gave us a deal to work with us to pay them and that kind of thing over a period of time and whatnot to, to make it work because they really wanted to see us do it. Uh, and so um, then also last year, right at the time that my buddy died, uh, another guy jumped into doing this. He, he saw the opportunity because Mike was the only person that did this. So he jumped in and, and he started doing it. And and quickly, I started getting told things like that um, other people thought that he had told them that, uh, that he had Mike's business. And so there were some things out there that were floating around. And I don't know what he really said, to be honest with you. Uh, but it, it, you know, I got pretty wound up in the midst of all of it, I'll just be honest. Um, And, you know, it was an emotional time, lost a friend, I'm helping this family through all this, and then we're dealing with all of a sudden in the midst of his death, now this other guy's going to jump into doing this. And there's just a lot that goes with all that. And so um, I got bitter. I got bitter in my heart. I'd come into staff meeting, and I'd tell staff about it, I'd be like, I'm I'm struggling. Gosh, y'all need to pray for me. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time with this. Like, I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be upset, whatever. And, uh, you know, and so um, in the midst of all that, one night I'm driving through Nashville, and it's night. I don't remember where I was going. I think I was hauling something somewhere. And uh, I was driving toward the other side of town, going through town. I just remember I was passing Nissan Stadium at the time. And I had been praying. I just started, I just started praying. Um Probably passing Trinity Lane, because that makes sense to be praying while you're passing Trinity Lane. Just the traffic alone, you know. Uh, but no, so I've been praying, and I've and been asking, God, help me, help me with this. I mean, I recognized that that it was sin in my heart, but I wasn't letting it go, okay? I recognized it was there, but I wasn't letting it go. And so I started praying, and God help me, help, help me get rid of this, help take this from me. And in the midst of me praying that, I felt God just convict me as big as day, and he and it was like he said, Chris, pray for him. Pray for him. And I don't know if you've ever prayed for somebody that you're bitter at or you're angry at, but I started praying, and I started praying for him, I started praying for his family. And I started praying for his business. I started praying, asking God, God, bless his business. Bless his family. Make make a way for both of us to be able to do this or whatever it is. You know, you've got a plan, you know. So, shortly after that, we had contact a couple times and uh, a couple things went on. I won't get into the whole story, but basically we become friends. We, have a friendship and then we start helping each other you know he's got an order he can't complete and I got stuff and I'm like hey just come on and get it or whatever you know and and vice versa back and forth and um you know that all leads up to about two weeks ago we went and both did a show here we are having separate booths, and we're like across from each other at this show you know selling the stuff or whatever and uh and, I, and, and we're talking and we're hanging out some in between and the show wasn't really going that great. We're in Atlanta or whatever. And we get back from Atlanta and he messaged me, hey, call me. And, and I didn't have time, it was a Sunday. And so finally on Monday, I, I call him because uh, he messaged me again. He said, hey, um, I think you need to buy me out. I think I need to get out. I think you need to do this. Um, I don't tell you all that to say that things always work out that way. I tell you to say this, He's also a believer. Um, We were able to make kind of a public announcement last Sunday of, you know, that we were doing this. And in the way that we did it, I really prayed, and he said, I want you to write it. He said, I'll write a thing for me, but I want you to kind of do the whole thing. He said, you know, I really want people to see our friendship in this. I said, I think you're right, because a lot of people in the hobby have assumed like we're arch enemies or something, because maybe we were at one point in time. And um, so we put this thing out, and you're talking about a community of people that sometimes can be extremely negative. I mean, extremely negative. It's pinball machines, for God's sake. But whatever. <laughs> Some crazy people in this hobby, I'm telling you. And, uh, but they can be extremely negative. We put this post up, and all this past week, all this past week, it's been comments of one person right after another, like, just going... I can't believe how you guys are handling this. This is amazing. This is the first time I've seen something like this in our hobby in a long time. We need more of this. Ron and I had this conversation back in the day that we kind of signed the papers, which was a week ago yesterday, at my house. And he said, you know, I really, I really hope that this can be positive for everybody. And I said, I think it can be. And he said, I hope so. I said, I, I'll tell you what. I said, I said, I think it's the greatest opportunity that maybe you and I have had yet to show Jesus to a whole bunch of people that don't know what he looks like, you know? Now listen, I still have sin in my heart. <laughs> I'm not without that. I don't tell you that. I, I, I flubbed last year. I flubbed it. Like how I handled that when it first went down, I made a post. I was so angry and mad one night I made a post. It was on the internet for a whole hour. I I had somebody call me out on it. I deleted it. I put up an apology post. I don't even know if I meant the apology at the time, to be honest with you. Bitterness destroys because it's sin. Us being concerned about what other people have going on in their lives is not the way God has called us to live ours. He's calling us to humble ourselves to him and trust in him that he's going to take care of whatever he's going to take care of And what we need to be worried about is our own logs, our own sin. That he might be able to help us deal with those things. And folks, if we'll let him do that, if we'll let him have our hearts, then he can use us for his glory. Then we'll get to speak into those people's lives. Then we'll get to be those people that God has called us to be. But as long as we live with the logs, as long as we live with the bitterness, we become logs. We become logs that lay around and we don't do anything for the kingdom of God. And that is not who we've been called to be. Several years ago now, before Liquor by the Drink passed in Pleasant View, we had... uh, some other ministers locally that wanted to get together and have a lunch and talk about it. They were, they were pretty upset about it. And of course, you know, I'm just thinking, man, bring me some chilies or something, you know, uh, like a lot of people have been thinking or whatever, you know, not just chilies, but, uh, and so, um, you know, one of the things, and, and, and people ask, you know, where's our stance as a church on alcohol? Here's our stance on alcohol. We, we see alcohol. We don't see it as a bad thing. We see it as a bad thing when it is abused and so you know, liquor by the drink wasn't a deal breaker for us because liquor by the drink isn't leading people into sin. I mean, the world is full of that. Uh, and so um, you know, we saw it as opportunity for our community grow, to grow. And for us, uh, as a staff, as a church, I mean, to us, that's, like, that's a gospel opportunity. Like if the community grows and that's more people that we could have a chance at, at getting to minister to and share the gospel with. Like that's literally how we're thinking about that. And so... We get together with these other ministers because we, we wanted to talk some of this out and, and be kind and all that stuff. And so we get together, and we're meeting over a Mexican restaurant over here, and, and they're, you know, hey, you know, we're, we're going to do a thing. We're going to do a thing in the paper. You know, we're going to be against this liquor by the drink thing. And we're like, okay, okay, and we're listening, you know, and just, you know. And they're like, what about you guys? You guys, you guys in? And I was like, well, no, we're We're not. But it's okay. Like, we love you guys, and it's cool that we can disagree on this, but here's, here's our stance. And so I explained a little bit about that. And then, and then I also explained something else that I didn't make up. I've heard one of our other guys, some, all of our other guys say it at different times. And that's that we want to be a church that is not known for what we are against. We want to be known for what we are for. And, you know, and... And, and just so you know, when we said that, we weren't, like, trying to, like, bam, you know, like, yeah, you know, like, make some kind of statement with these guys. Like, we love these guys, okay? I don't think, I don't think any of these pastors are actually still around in the area. This has been a long time ago. Um, you know, and so, but it, you know, it definitely, it was, it was definitely kind of like a, you know, you could hear heard a pin, pin drop kind of thing for a minute. Um, but then we encouraged, like, I said, we said, hey, guys, we would like to be together churches, who are known for being about Jesus. And that's what we're for. And, and we'd love to do stuff together that is that. And so like this past year, you've seen us try to, and you know, we've begun doing some things like Thanksgiving service and some things like that together. Um, you know, if God has our hearts, then everything else follows And it flows as it's supposed to. And I think for so many of us, we have somewhere gotten jaded with our walk with the Lord where we've become people who are against, 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 against. I'm against that. I'm against that. I'm against that. And the world is watching. The world is paying attention to us. I'm not saying that we can't take a stand from time to time, but we need to make sure that it's led by the Lord. What Martin Luther King Jr. did was led by the Lord. You read the letter from Birmingham jail. That's led by the Lord, you know. So we don't want to be those people that are holding signs that are saying, hey, you're going to hell, (laughs) you know, if you're this or you do that. Because, again, the only way that's true is if you don't know Jesus. And that's who we are for. Let's pray together. God, I I pray this morning for the hearts of, of whoever is listening. God, that if they don't know you, that they would trust in you today. They would believe in you today. God, maybe they've wandered, they've strayed, they've missed out on what life is really about for some time or whatever, God, I pray, Lord, that they wouldn't let guilt be the factor that overcomes them right now. I pray, Lord, that they would see your grace and that they would see your mercy. God, I pray that for all of us. God, I pray that we would see the things in our hearts, the logs in our eyes, Lord, that you would do a work in us, that you would help us to overcome those things. It's because of what you've done through your son on the cross that we can even ask that today. God, we want that. We desire that. Lord, do a work in us. Help us, Lord, to glorify you, to make you known, to be your people. God, help us to minister to others, not judge them, but minister to them. Help us to be those people, Lord, that you've called for the sake of your kingdom that the gospel might go out. May others see Jesus in us and know him because of it. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray, amen.